right, time once again for another episode of the Throwing Bagels podcast. Kevin Mooney here with you alongside Chris Douglas. Hey, Chris. Hey, Kevin. How are you? I am great. Yourself? Good. To welcome back from Arizona. Yeah, it's uh, the weather's a little different. It's a little. Just a little bit. <laughs> hey, Jason. Hamo with us as well. Hi, Jason. Hello. How are you? Hello. I am great. Yourself? Happy Hanukkah. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, we are joined by a, a very another special guest in a, in a line of special guests we've had on the Throwing Bagels podcast. But she's a 2009 graduate of SUNY Oswego, is executive director. I know if you're an alumni and you're listening, you've gotten emails from alumni, you've probably seen her name quite a few times <laughs> in those emails. But she's the executive director of the Oswego Alumni Association, also director of alumni engagement at SUNY Oswego. It's Laura Kelly. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Good to see all of you virtually. The feeling is mutual. Uh, on our last podcast, uh, Laura, we spoke with Dana Murphy uh, about yes. yeah, about uh, uh, joining forces with fellow Oswego alum Susan Larkin, who's the COO at Odyssey, uh, to co-host an event for New York City alumni that also featured Oswego's new president, Dr. Peter Mosu. Uh, you coordinated that event and, and were there in attendance. How did the event go? Yeah, it was great. It was great to be back in person with alumni, which hasn't, I mean, we've done in-person events on campus since the COVID pandemic, but we haven't done a ton virtual, excuse me, regionally um, since the pandemic. Um, and we obviously use, well, maybe not obviously, we used to do regular regional events pre-COVID, Um that obviously took a pause. And then we um, really took some time to ramp back up and uh, introducing our newest president um, was a good excuse to to get on the road and meet new alumni and see old faces and familiar faces. Um, so it was great to be back in person in Manhattan with so many of our alumni, uh, friends, colleagues, um, Jason was there. It was great to see Jason in person. And it was it was just so energ I mean, this is how I felt. Jason can share his his experience too, but um it was just so much energy in the room and it felt like we actually needed a whole another hour just for the the networking reception piece of it. Mm. Um we had an hour of of networking followed by about, you know, half an hour to 45 minutes of hearing from President Wosu. Um but it was it was just so fun to be back, uh, you know, in the swing of things. And we, we had a lot of new faces that came to that event. Um, not always the case when, you know, pre-COVID, you would get a lot of the regular players, right? That, that know us, we go, love us, we go, come to everything that we put on for us, we go. Um, but this was a lot of people that we didn't know, which was awesome. What did it mean to you to have two successful alumni team up to help arrange that event? It was great. Uh, so we started doing this right before the pandemic hit. Um, we started doing more of this kind of alumni hosted um, event format, uh, mainly because even set aside the pandemic, um, as the virtual and you know technological world grows, alumni don't really need the alumni office anymore to help the help them stay in touch with the university with each other uh and so we were looking for kind of new 
reasons for alumni to want to come to an event, not just to see other people, which is, I mean, a huge reason why they come, but maybe to give them kind of an insider access piece um, through an alumni connection that they might not have otherwise. And so that's was the basis behind this Odyssey event. Um, we, you know, Dana, who you spoke with at the last episode, and I'm sure she shared this with you, um, kind of pitched the concept of reconnecting um, her, their COO, Susan, with Oswego, who hadn't been connected in so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was great to kind of have this uber engaged alum in Dana, former president of the Alumni Association, and just she's basically an extension of our staff at this point. <laughs> um and Susan, who loves us, we go and and values, you know, so much of what she got from us, we go, but really hasn't stayed in touch as much as as she, you know, says she she wishes she had. So it was great to reconnect her and um, tie in a cool, you know, um, big city radio um, station component for alumni to get kind of an insider access there too. Uh, so it was great. It was great to have. And it just helps to put kind of an, an alum face to it. I'm an alum myself, obviously, but I'm, you know, what it's different when it's coming from staff invitations um, than when another alum is inviting you to to join them and, and be in their space with them. So I can second that the the event was, you know, when we did the the first part of it, great. Right? Like you said, it could have we could have had a longer time doing that because everyone was just talking to each other. And mm-hmm. like you said, it was a very good mix of people there right there was yeah. um there were older there were some older alums there were some i mean i feel like i like to say i'm not an older alum but at this point i pretty much am at this point you know <laughs> um, More seasoned. and More and then and then you have definitely had some some a lot younger uh alumni who who came out which was good yeah. um but then we had the the q a and i think that we easily could have gone in another half hour with you know i felt yeah. like it was only like three questions you know that we could have easily have gone way longer with that um have you talked about um, kind of adding something extra to that next time? If you do something again, like uh, a longer, making it longer? Yeah. So two hours has always kind of been our standard um, event time frame, just as a, as a, you know, pre-COVID and, and even post-COVID um, standard. And I think what was tough about that is um, because it's the city and it's the holiday time in the city, it mm-hmm. was some people didn't even get there until 10 minutes before we moved into the speaker portion. So that was tough on the front end of things. Um, but I think it was also there were a couple of things at play um, because we were in a space that was, a you know, it's an actual office space. It wasn't kind of a bar where we normally are at a restaurant or bar that's just open mm-hmm. past our event time and we can hang for however long. Um, we would have a lot more flexibility in the in other venues to do that. And we would typically, um, assuming all the speakers who were involved had the time, we would we would generally just kind of continue that a little bit longer. Um, but we had a more finite time, which, you know, we knew that signing on and 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 we were fine with that. Um, but I think people maybe had more questions too in general this time because it's a new president um, and mm-hmm. because of of the topic. Um, so we're we're hoping to host more of these introductory events for President Wosu over the coming, I mean, certainly year, but probably extending longer than that for, you know, how how much of his schedule can actually be accommodated to travel to all these places and do these events. But um hopefully it will allow a lot more time for for folks to 
get to know him, to ask some of these questions. And I, there's going to be a lot of virtual opportunities too. So hopefully if anyone felt like they didn't get their question answered, we'll mm -hmm. have a venue to do that, um, whether it's another in-person event or elsewhere. So Dana and I had joked during the last podcast, you know, that her and I could have asked a bunch of different questions and I didn't, we didn't, we didn't got a chance to ask any questions because it was like <laughs> so quick. And, and, but one of the questions that we wanted that we had, we had kind of spoken about was um, Dr. Wosu's plan, the 4040 um, vision 4040, right? We spoke to Dr. Knapp about it a couple, probably like a couple months ago at this point, it was right after the, uh, the calm dinner we had her on. Mm -hmm. um, and we kind of mentioned this to her also. And she, she told us about it a little bit, but um, you know, his goal is obviously to double the amount of graduates by 2040 um, and doubling the graduates of course means the alumni, right? So what your, what's your, what will your office need to do effectively to accommodate the that large increasing number of, of alumni? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think what's really unique about Vision 4040 um, is it's going to, the, the population of alumni is going to look very different than our current population of alumni. Gen By and large, right now, our alumni population are those quote unquote traditional um either transfer two year from another two year um, or four year degree. There's certainly many graduate students at this point too. Um, but with Vision 4040, there's going to be a lot of, you know, stackable credentials and micro credentials and various degrees um, that are maybe not those traditional four year degrees that, that help to accumulate to that total. And so what a big component of our work will transition to. We've already been doing this over the years, but it's going to become really important to segment our communication and our engagement strategies with our alumni of ways, you know, we can't rely on the sunset talk as much as we have over the past however many years, because if someone's an online student, they've literally never set foot on campus. They have not seen that great Oswego sunset. That's not going to hook them for anything, <laughs> um, you know, so it's going to be trying to really differentiate how we categorize who are true alumni versus maybe someone who's earned a degree and, and goes towards that vision 4040. But is it is it categorized all the same or are we you know, differentiating them into different pockets of our alumni population and then communicating with them in the way that makes sense to who they actually are in relation to the university. If someone comes in, right, they haven't been a student at Oswego at all, but, you know, like he, Dr. Wosu had mentioned during his speech um, at the event, he said, you know, that a, someone could come in and just take a certificate, start, you know, kind of get their feet wet, right? And maybe eventually you'll accumulate, you know, credits here and there. And, um, are they kind of, con they're not considered an alum, right? Or would like, does that, does that come out of your office, right? Like after like you take one certificate class kind of, and they're, you know, they've been done something with it, with the school, but they haven't, you know, obviously graduated. Do you still engage with them or is that, that still stays within like the, another area of the school? Of the I, college? Think I think that's what we need to figure out at this point. Mm -hmm. um, we really haven't done as much, um, to the, to the level that we're looking at for Vision 4040, um, these unique 
different types of certificate and, and degree programs and credentials and, and micro credentials. Um, so that's that's one of the big questions on our, uh, you know, um, forefront moving forward. When we look at this plan, those are the types of questions that we're going to be asking. OK, so what are all these different pockets and how are we going to treat them, you know, um, in relation to each other and in relation to how we've been doing the work of alumni engagement and communication and, and solicitations and philanthropy um, in the past. So certainly there will be differentiations between these different groups. So we're just not sure what that looks like yet because we really haven't dove into the planning phase of this vision yet. Got it. Um, so you're, you're obviously, like we discussed, you're also the director of alumni engagement. Um, mm -hmm. How does that go about how, do, how does it go about engaging um, with alumni? How do you how do you go about doing that? Oh, goodness. There are so many ways <laughs> that we engage alumni. Um, so I am in my role. I oversee kind of all things alumni engagement. But um, typically our team is myself with a couple of other team members. Right now we have Stephanie um, Lamb Folds, so previously Lamb, now Folds class of 2007 from us we go she's our senior associate director of alumni engagement she will very soon be transitioning to a different role within our university advancement office um she is very interested in in data and data management and analytics and things of that nature so um she's going to be transitioning into a role like that um so i'm going to be a team of one very soon because we we also um, I had a, a staff member who returned to her family in New York City after being away from them since her freshman year at us we go um, five years before that so it was we're we're gonna have a couple of job openings <laughs> but um so right now I'm, I'm gonna be the one engaging all the alumni no I'm kidding it's a, it's a full <laughs> university and division effort but um you know we do things in the traditional way that you'd think of reunions events. Um, we've already talked about regional events, virtual events, webinars. Um, we have lots of ways that our alumni volunteer uh, mm. with us in the university. Um, we have alumni awards that we um, solicit nominations for each year. And then a volunteer committee kind of reviews all of those and, and determines if anyone is selected for alumni award categories each year. Um, we have ways that alumni, uh, through our alumni sharing knowledge program, come back to campus and speak with students, or they do so virtually now that that's a very easy platform to do, um, not just in the classroom, but with student organization meetings and groups and events. Um, that's become a huge component of student life and, and how we helped with that retention effort is providing alumni mentors to students and sharing their experiences. Um, it's really become kind of a flagship program for us um, because it's so valued on both sides. Um, the students find such value in it, but the alumni really love coming back and, and sharing their experiences. And first of all, I mean, returning to campus, obviously, is just fun no matter what when you're an alum, but um, in my opinion, anyway, but uh, it's it's um, a really unique way to show the function of a degree and the function of a job um, and how you can kind of weave your way to, to so many different opportunities. And 
because you're a PR major doesn't mean you have to go to a PR firm and write press releases all day. You know, you've got, you know, this wide world of, of ways that you can use that. So that's another big way that we engage alumni. Um, we communicate with them regularly through our alumni magazine, emails, um, e-newsletters. Uh, we obviously um, engage them philanthropically. We we solicit donations and we ask for support for the fund for us. We go to support current students and programs and scholarships and emer student emergency funds. Um, and I'm rattling off a million things and I'm forgetting probably 90% of, of my job description as I'm as I'm talking. But there there's so many ways um, that really anytime an alum connects with each other or connects with the university or connects with a student, um, that's all alumni engagement. And, and because the world has become, um, as I mentioned earlier, so easy to connect with each other technologically um, and virtually, it's um, finding those ways that alumni can do so that they find value in. Um, it's not the same, you know, we don't rely as much on what traditionally I think people think of as reunion um, for alumni engagement. It's so many other ways now and helping to recruit um, students. That's another big way that we engage alumni. We um, use them in marketing campaigns. We ask them to sign letters to recruit new students. We have them make phone calls and send emails and um, greet families and prospective students at regional events and fairs. So it's kind of finding those those ways that are outside of the traditional norm and and providing value for advancing the university forward as well as engaging alumni with each other right. and, and with their alma mater. Let's uh let, let's try to get to the other 90% of, <laughs> of what's in your job. I know it's a lot, uh, but I get you know, uh, director of alumni engagement, but I, there's a probably significant overlap with your role as executive director of the alumni association. Yes. Uh, so what, what are some of your primary responsibilities as part of that role? Yeah, the exec, it, it's, it's funny to have two titles. Really it's mm -hmm. um, the executive director role is particularly because um, the Alumni Association is a an actual 501c3 organization, not-for-profit organization. Um, we have a board of directors. That's one of my biggest um, job responsibilities. You know, to, I, I don't see them as two separate jobs. They technically are two separate titles, but they're all one and the same for me. But um, it's we manage a, a board of about 30 um, volunteers uh, who are who sit as board of directors um, members on that alumni association board. I love them to death. That is the most fun board you could ever work with. Um, and we we really have a great um, representation on that board, which we we are very deliberate about. We um, try to make sure we are representing as best we can the the vast 93,000 plus alumni community within this board of directors in terms of class year, geographic location, um, you know, occupation, gender, ethnicity, you name it. We try to to make sure that we're being um, you know, comprehensive of that overall alumni family. So managing them is a is a huge um component of my role. 
coordinating reunion weekend, even though I keep saying it's not about reunion weekend as, as the main piece, it certainly still is our biggest alumni event of the year. Um, it's the it's the event that draws the most people at once um, to the university in terms of alumni. So I coordinate that effort. Um, it's a four day, typically um, four day uh, uh, program with events all, you know, Thursday through Sunday. In Oswego, in the city, um, we do a big component of that as reunion weekend, but also in general throughout the year, um, too, which is another part of my role is um, managing mini reunions or affinity group reunions, um, kind of interchangeable terms there, but reunions that bring together, like you all were at a communication studies alumni reunion, that would be a, an affinity reunion. Um, something that brings people together based on a shared, whether it's a major or a student organization or an athletic team or a Greek org, um, something that's apart from a class year, essentially. So while we do celebrate class year reunions at, at um, reunion weekend, we have many groups that do an affinity group reunion mm -hmm. tied to that as well. Um, so that's, you know, like I said, it's, it's not... It, the main form that people kind of rely on on alumni relations offices anymore to engage them, but it certainly still is our biggest uh, program. So that's a huge piece of my my job. Um, and I mean, managing the alumni awards um, process throughout the year too is a, is a big component. Um, while it's the nomination and selection period is more finite, working with those alumni honorees and then um, recognizing them, uh, which typically does happen in conjunction with reunion weekend, but we have a couple of other times where we present those awards. And again, this is a good example. We presented one at the communication studies alumni dinner this year, um, simply because our recipient, Justin Dobrow was, um, a com alum. He's also a gold alum, which stands for graduates of the last decade. And that, um, that population, Apart from if they're part of an affinity group that is reuniting during reunion weekend, we don't see as large of a turnout for gold at reunion weekend as we do at other events. So we often, if we've got a gold alum, we often will tie it to, to a different event that we think their cohort of alumni might attend um, rather than reunion weekend. So um those are a lot of the big components, you know, of the, the big rocks, I'll call them. Um, and then managing, obviously, all of the other um, components throughout the year. We have um, traditions on campus in terms of Founders Weekend um, and um, torchlight ceremonies. We do a torchlight ceremony at the beginning of each fall semester to welcome our newest students, so incoming students, um, into the Laker community. And then we do one kind of as a bookend experience on um, the night before commencement for May graduates in the spring. Um, and so those are huge traditions that have really gained a lot of popularity with the students. I mean, students and families really look forward to them. They remember and they keep, even though they're not supposed to, they keep their candles from the um, <laughs> welcoming torchlight. We we tell them they, they shouldn't. And then we just turn and look away if they walk out of there with it. 
Um, but they do. They and it's honestly, I love it. I love that they keep their candle and then they bring it to their their you know senior torchlight ceremony. It's just really special um, in my mind. But don't have candles in the residence halls. That's yeah. my big no no. Big no no. So those those are other big components. In your experience, when you maybe you work with some colleagues with throughout the SUNY system or perhaps with other colleges, mm -hmm. um, how common is it that that alumni of the college are leading the alumni association? You mean in, in staff roles? In staff roles, like the director of the alumni association for whatever college, how likely yeah. is it that that would be headed up by an alumni of that school? Sure. Actually, you know, it's it's semi-common. Um, and I think what was unique at Oswego, my predecessor, Betsy Oberst, was in the role that I'm in now for 34 years or so. Mm -hmm. um, and she was not an alum of, of SUNY Oswego. Her husband was. Um, but she, we actually, um, at our board of directors meeting the year she retired, um, we, we did a resolution at the board of directors to make her an honorary alumna. Um, but she, you know, that was kind of unique that we had such mm -hmm. a long tenured um, executive director where it wasn't that person's alma mater. So it actually is more common than you would think. And we, um, I'll just give a shout out since you mentioned it to um, we call, we call ourselves the five musketeers, um, some SUNY schools that are, you know, peer SUNY schools amongst mm -hmm. the 64 SUNY system universities and, and colleges and community colleges. Um, we kind of bounce ideas off of each other regularly. And um, it's the great part, I will say, about our work um, that's pretty unique. Um, there's not many other fields that it seems like this is the case where you're really not competing with each other. You can share ideas all you want because your alumni are your alumni. <laughs> I mean, if they went to your school, they're yours. So it's not kind of like the admissions process or other things where you're you're competing for the same audience. You can, we are all part of a, a um, professional organization case, um, Council for Advancement Services in Education. And uh, we joke that it stands for copy and steal everything because that's essentially what we we do. If, if someone has a good idea, it's like, oh, that'll work for us. I'll just replicate that at Oswego or, you know, Rockport or wherever. Um, so I'll just give a, sh a shout out to my SUNY colleagues since you mentioned them. Who are the five musketeers then? Oh, gosh, you're putting me on the spot to remember. Okay. Um, Brockport, Geneseo, Potsdam, Portland, and Oswego. I did it. <laughs> um, so you you all specifically meet up with each other? Like you all have like so, a like like a convention, not a convention, but like do you all like specifically meet up in certain places, have like, you know, meetings and things like that to discuss this type of stuff? Yes. There's um a SUNY kind of professional organization. Um and this I'm probably not gonna remember the the acronym for SUNY Quad. C-U-A-D, um, 
I am not going to be able to remember the actual acronym. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim Neckritz, who's probably listening to this. <laughs> um, but we have uh, representatives from each SUNY system um, college who help to facilitate um, uh, meetings of various mm-hmm. um parts of each university. So there's like a communication and marketing segment. There's a development segment. There's an alumni engagement segment. And so all of us kind of grow good relationships with each other within the SUNY system. And then there are conferences annually um, to pull everyone together for various breakout sessions and discussions. Yeah. You touched on us earlier, uh, the importance of alumni giving back and, and, and so on. Can you tell us how important it actually is? And also, where can alumni go? How can they contribute? uh, And how many different ways they can contribute and so on? Yeah, it's extremely important. Um, So many of our students are students of need, financial need. Um, And, you know, even though we are a state university, there's a very small percentage that the state truly does, you know, support. Um, and the rest of it comes from, there's there's a lot of Pell recipients and, and um, other, you know, um, support, governmental and federal support that, that students can apply for in financial aid. Um, but scholarship support is huge. Uh, it makes such a difference for students being able to attend, you know, the, at all, but even stay in school, um, you know, they'll complete a year. And then sometimes it really is only like a thousand dollars that's making the difference for them to actually be able to re-register for the next year. Um, but, you know, I think that sometimes people may think that because they can't make some huge contribution that, that it's not going to be worth anything at all. And that's so not the case. Truly our annual fund um, division uh, would, would, I mean, anyone would say this in our division, but um, participating annually with whatever, you know, you can support makes the world of difference. Um, You know, the, the regular consistent um, support of, of the fund for us, we go and people can um, even though we would love unrestricted support that will just go to whatever the university needs it most for at that time. Um, there is the option to choose what you make a gift to. You can you can d- uh, donate to your specific department or student organization or athletic team or, you know, you name it. The, the um, student emergency fund is specifically for students in, in financial need who are attending as we go. Um, SHOP, which is our on-campus um, food and clothing pantry. Um, so there's so many ways to to give, you know, in that way. Um, there's also obviously, um, we've already talked about the do- donation of time. That is really important to us too. Um, we acknowledge that there's, you know, we, we, it's the chicken and the egg concept, really. You, you need both. You need financial support and you need engagement. Um, so we do truly, our, our division is unique amongst many nationwide universities that we truly do work hand in hand every day, engagement and development. Um, but there's other ways um, to, to support. Um, you can make a gift towards a fund that already exists in terms of 
you know, a scholarship fund in memory of someone or in honor of someone. Um, a lot of gifts will come in that way. Um, we have challenges a lot of, um, well, not a lot of times throughout the year, but regularly throughout the year, at least a couple of times through the year, um, we will kind of challenge alumni during a certain time period, typically approximately a day or so, um, to reach a certain donor goal. And a lot of times you'll see that because truly it is the number of people donating that makes the biggest difference um, rather than a dollar amount necessarily. Um, and a lot of times we'll have a, a very generous alum who is willing to make a large contribution if we reach a certain donor goal during that time period. And so that's a, a great way to kind of um, extend your impact if you make a gift during one of those challenges that then helps kind of unlock, quote unquote, uh, a larger donation from an alum. So you are a 2009 graduate of Oswego uh, with a degree yeah. in public relations. Uh, yeah. So what what led you to attend Oswego? Yeah, my whole family went to Oswego. Um, my, both my parents and my sister all went to Oswego. Um, hmm. And actually... Because of that, I was kind of against going to Oswego. <laughs> but you're a legacy. <laughs> and uh, I'm really glad that didn't work out. But I, I live, um, I, I'm from, and I, I currently still do live in Liverpool, New York. Um, so I'm right down the road. It's a suburb of Syracuse. I'm right down the road from Oswego. And it, it felt... Um, what I think many of Central New York students who attend Oswego feel at first is like, why do I want to go there? It's right in my own backyard. I, I feel like I'm not going away for college. Um, well, I couldn't have been more wrong, but I what what really pushed me over the edge was I, I earned a presidential scholarship from Oswego. And so um, that covered my tuition um, for the four years, which was a huge, obviously, mm. um, draw for me. And we still do have those um, scholarships for academic based scholarships, essentially. Um, so that's what really kind of pushed me towards Oswego. But I am oh so glad. I mean, obviously, my whole life trajectory changed um, from being at Oswego. But um, it's so nice now to have this family legacy component, which honestly, many of our alumni do have, um, they have, whether it's just one, you know, parent and child or mm. a whole generation, um, of, of alumni, but it's, it's a really nice tie to have. Um, and, and it was nice eventually to realize that it didn't matter how far away I was from home. If I didn't go home, I was still on my own <laughs> at Oswego. And then it was just kind of nice because I didn't have to do laundry. I would just drive home and do laundry at home. <laughs> Very convenient. I think I used the washing and machine on campus like twice ever. And the rest of the time I would just drive home and throw it in my mom's washer. <laughs> Worth it. Uh, yeah. Where Where did you go after you graduated? What were you doing after that? So uh, it was a really short stint between me graduating and starting at um, the alumni office. So I actually started with the alumni office as a student intern my junior year at Oswego. I was the senior class coordinator my junior year, which was an interesting role, but um, it was a, a great 
public relations um, experience, you know, event planning and communication internship. And after I completed that my junior year, I stayed on, they had a paid kind of student administrative office assistant role my senior year. So I stayed in that position. And then spring of my senior year, a longtime staff member in the office um, kind of retired semi-unexpectedly and earlier than anyone expected. And she was in charge of their reunion weekend reservation process, which is a, a time-consuming role um, and one that was necessary at the time. I mean, it still is, but at the time it was really crucial for um, managing all of the reservations that were coming in for reunion weekends. So they actually hired me on as a, a part-time, I was working like 20 hours a week um, there during my, my spring semester senior year. And I stayed on after graduation to finish that through reunion weekend of 2009, which just so happened to be the largest reunion we've ever had, ever <laughs> at Oswego. We had 1,400 people back um, that weekend. Wow. And so it was a lot of late nights for me playing catch up <laughs> with um, having a full, you know, class load. And I had another internship off campus. Oh, man. And I was the lead in the oh. musical at Oswego at that same time. So it was wow. a really busy semester. Oh, wow. But it was... Um, it was awesome. I loved, I loved that experience and, um, I learned so much from it and I, um, left that summer. So after completing reunion, I transitioned out of that part-time role and I went to be what I was sure I wanted to be for the rest of my life, which was a wedding planner because I had watched <laughs> the movie with JLo and I was sure <laughs> to be exactly like that. And turns out, Brides are not that much fun on a day to day. Oh, <laughs> wow. I mean, they oh, have no. that term "bridezilla" for a reason. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I never had any crazy experiences, but it was just not. Um, I learned quickly that it wasn't what was going to be fulfilling for me. It was um, mm. the the event planning piece was great, and I enjoyed it, but. I really missed the relationship building component of the public relations end that I got from the alumni engagement, you know, side of my work that I had been doing in my internship and as the reunion reservationist. So um, Betsy actually called me. It was so that was, you know, late summer of 2009. Um, she called me in, I think, March of 2010 and an associate director of alumni engagement um, position had opened up. And she was wondering if I would, you know, come interview for it. And I did. And so I came in April of 2010. And I've kind of been in various roles leading up to this ever since. So what's that? Almost 14 years now at this wow. point. Crazy. So besides um, acting, obviously, what kind of did you do any other extracurricular activities when you were uh, at Oswego? I, so yeah, I sang um, in State Singers, which is kind of like a select choir. Um, I did, you know, shows in theater. It was not my major, obviously, but I, I really enjoyed that as a hobby. So I did that. Um, I was in PRSSA, which is the student PR organization. Um, and I was the um, president of FANS, which stands for Future Alumni Network, which we still have today. It's a, it's a different format than it was at that point, but um, it's a student organization that's kind of overseen by 
the alumni office that helps, um, you know, spread the word to current students about what opportunities there are for mm -hmm. alumni and alumni student connections and philanthropy, kind of planting that seed while they were still on campus so that they hopefully remained engaged kind of seamlessly once they transitioned to become alumni. Um, so I think those were my, my main involvements as a student. Yeah. Did you want to belt out a show tune at all, or like, <laughs> has it been too long? You don't or? want me to belt out a show tune at this point. Um, and the last time I did a show was, I don't even know, 2015, I think. So it's not that long ago. I missed it, but it's it's a, it's really time consuming to do theater, and once you have a job and children, it's <laughs> carve out that time. <laughs> next alumni event we'll have to have you sing <laughs> yeah we do we have to put her on a spot next time that's right yeah we have to so prepare next time uh -oh, but... all right i'll just now, now that we know that's right yeah now on, i'll just nervously scroll to we'll, see <laughs> we'll pay some fees for for to get the rights to some tunes and we'll you know we'll, we'll put you on the spot oh boy so, so uh, as uh, we do with all of our alumni, us we alumni, we like to ask these following questions. Oh boy. Um, the chicken patty. Mm. What is your go? First of all, did you like the chicken patty? And second, was it your, what did you do with the chicken patty? What'd you, how'd you uh, put it together? What was your condiments and, and so on? Mm -hmm. I did like the chicken patty. I, I will say I'm not part of like the obsession group with the chicken patty. Um, <laughs> I liked it. Thought it was good. Um, I, I really do think seriously our auxiliary services team on campus does a phenomenal job with the food on campus. I really feel like it's, it's pretty outstanding. Um, <laughs> but um, it was plain. I was really boring and plain. It was just a bun and ketchup. No cheese, no Lettuce, no, no tomato. No, wow. definitely no tomato. I mean, I do like tomato, but I wouldn't I wouldn't have put that on there. Maybe some cheese once in a while, but mostly just ketchup. I know I'm boring. The, the cheese is only when you get adventurous. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a wild night. Wild night. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of wild nights, after a, a good night of drinking, we all decided to go to the sub shop and oh. order our cheeseburger subs. Do you have a favorite sub from the sub shop or do you have a, a fun uh, order that you do from Rudy's? Mm. So I'm not a huge seafood person. So actually, I mean, I loved Rudy's for the atmosphere, but I would really only get like Texas hots there. I wouldn't do I wouldn't do a lot of the seafood um, from Rudy's. So Texas hot was my go to order at Rudy's. And um, I'm a buffalo and blue girl at the sub shop. So the um, buffalo chicken finger sub is essentially what it is. The works, no tomato. Nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's that tomato again. <laughs> I know. I do. I, I throw in shade at tomatoes. I do like tomatoes. I just not on any of these apparently sandwiches. And I'm with you on tomatoes. Yeah, well, tomato <laughs> would like to have a word. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I love a good BLT. Okay. There you go. You didn't ask me this, and I hope I'm not jumping the gun on a question, but I will say for anyone coming to campus anytime soon, 
I don't remember this as a student. I don't know if they had it and I just didn't have it or if it didn't exist when I was a student, but uh, the black bean burger on campus is mm. amazing. If you like a good black bean burger, yeah. it is delicious. So good. I and that I do. I think, pretty sure that was around back in the day. Was, was it? it? I'm pretty sure. I, Man, there's I'm no way I would have sure. gone near it. So I'm pretty sure I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a it sounded healthy I don't do at all. So. It was not on my freshman fifteen menu. So no, I don't. I don't do. I don't do vegetarian. So not on my. Not on my. Uh, on my periphery. Okay, I will say. I mean, I like vegetarian stuff. It doesn't taste like it's vegetarian though. It it just tastes <laughs> delicious. But um, side note about the freshman fifteen. I just volunteered on Friday night. So what's today? Monday. So just a few days ago, um, campus held a late night breakfast for all students that oh, was open nice. to all students, you know, pancakes, bacon, sausage, wow. eggs, and uh, all the staff worked the dining hall. So um, I was in the serving line, but I have not been to a late night since, I mean, I was a sophomore, I think, in college and being in Cooper dining hall for a late night at the Cooper creamery where I really did gain my freshman 15 <laughs> was a surreal experience being a adult. What's the Cooper creamery? <laughs> oh, it's the ice cream place in Cooper. We didn't. We, no. oh, hmm. I don't think. No, we just had, we just had like the, the, the fro the freezer that you opened up and you grabbed some ice cream out of, and that was it. Oh, like no. you grabbed some this ice cream sandwich like, or it's got something an else. Entrance and an exit and everything. There's like, oh, a, we didn't have that. Oh, we oh, definitely yeah. didn't have that. No, I would remember like, that. <laughs> I would say there's probably 10 flavors of like hard scoop Perry's oh, wow. ice cream. Oh, and they've man. got, they can make, floats. I'm going back to college. They can make floats. They can make, wow. Yeah. I, I would have been a frequent flyer now. Yeah, I, Man, I, would have, I would have lived there. I know. Seriously. Man. Nothing compared to the Hewitt late night, though. That Hewitt Hall, or well, I'm so used to saying Hewitt Hall now because we're changing the <laughs> hall. Hewitt Union late night yeah. was the best late night, I would say. So this, yeah. so let's go back to this ice cream for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I love to talk about ice cream. I'll talk about ice cream. <laughs> Do they... Do they make like shakes and all that kind of stuff. And like, yeah. can you take it out with you? What? Cause I know like they're very anti like taking things out of the dining hall. I don't know about that. I don't know. I took mine the other night. I don't know if I was supposed to. Don't quote me on that. It was in a disposable <laughs> cup and I was volunteering at the event. So I took it, but um, I don't know if they let you, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Hmm, I, I think I'm going to have to make a trip up there. I know, right? now. there's so many I things mean, I want to eat now. Jeez, seriously. Calm down. <laughs> Where did you live when you were on campus, when you lit, when you were in school? Uh, my freshman year, I was in Cayuga, and my sophomore year, I was in Oneida, and then I moved off campus for my junior and senior years. How about you all? House. Where were you? I was in I was Cayuga, in... and I was in Cayuga. My, so I came out there my sophomore year. I moved off campus for my junior year and moved back on campus to the Mackin complex. Oh yeah. Senior year, which was awesome. Yeah. Were you I in was... a single in Mackin? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was excellent. Yeah. <laughs> no one to bother you. I was uh <laughs> I was in Fennell my first two years. Okay. And then Kevin and I lived together in in Hart our junior year, and that was when they reopened it again. That was the first oh, year it was reopened again. Yeah. Um, and then I moved off campus my senior year. 
Okay. Right. I did uh, Seneca for my first two years and then with Jay and Hart. And then I went to, I had a single in Lonus. Awesome. So we, we ran the gamut other than the yeah. lakeside dorms. I Everyone I thought I was crazy. I specifically requested Cayuga when I was a freshman. Yeah, I requested Phil. <laughs> yeah. Rather than the lakeside dorms, I just felt like it sounded more fun to be on. It used to be called New Campus. I guarantee right. you they don't That's, call it New Campus. Anymore. I was going to say, do they, call it, do they call it that anymore? Like, what do they no, call? they call it West Campus. West Campus. Oh, so what, boring. So what's, what is Fennell and Hart called? Mid-Campus? I don't know. I feel like they don't really have a name. They're just Hart and Fennell. Yeah. Is Johnson Central. still the, the freshman dorm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have... Um, some things I, I, I well don't quote me I, I actually don't know this I haven't talked about this in a long time or heard about it but they used to have programs that the students used to have to do kind of like community service hours type of thing um because yeah. they lived in Johnson Hall so um, we did that in um oh did you mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know if they still do but mm -hmm. I don't know well, Laura, your ice cream secret is safe with us. We won't tell you. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> no one's going to hear it. Keith. Yeah. <laughs> not being recorded or anything. So, right. No, not at all. Uh, uh, thank you so much, uh, Laura, for, for joining us. And uh, thumbs up to the Santa Claus earrings. That's a very nice touch. Uh, thank you. So they're very yeah. fancy. I like them. I I know they've got a little, they've got a little bling on them. Yeah. I like to be festive this time of year for, my my children who are very excited for Santa Claus to there come, but I wish everyone happy holidays and happy Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and anything that you celebrate this time of year. Same to you. Happy New Year to us all. And that was Laura Kelly, fellow alum of Oswego and also the executive director of the Oswego Alumni Association and director of alumni engagement at SUNY Oswego. So yeah, I kind of imagine that uh, there's never a dull moment for, for no. in Laura in, in Laura Kelly's life. Yeah, I mean, she's constantly talking to different people. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, like I told her, I couldn't do her job. There's no way, <laughs> you know. There's, it's so she's got she's got to be on point all the time and things like that. Mm -hmm. I give her a lot of credit. I don't think I could do that. I know I couldn't do that. Uh, I mean, it'd be kind of fun. I think. Just, I mean, you Go for it, Chris. So many Go for it. People. I could, yeah. I mean, she did say that there was... Is there an opening or are they combining yeah, yeah. two openings? Or, At some point. Yeah, maybe, right. I'll, uh, maybe I'll throw my name in the ring there. Wow. Go for what, it. What did, go for it, man. What are they going to say? No, that's no. the worst they could say. That's the worst they could say, man. That is the worst they can say. Then so, you can send your right. son to school there for free. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. If he wants to go there, sure. Hey. It would it would save me some money. That's for exactly. Sure. There you go. Be like, you're going to Oswego, buddy. <laughs> I don't Great. care what you want to do. <laughs> exactly. They got plenty of majors. Pick one. Yeah. But I think at, at the end of the day, as the three of us are all graduates of Oswego, I think we're grateful for what her effort, what she's done to this point, whether it was helping arrange the uh, meet and greet with President Wosu at New York City or the annual reunion or the calm dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a lot of terrific initiatives. So, you know, and she's really a driving force behind all of it. So I think it's it's great to speak with her and we're uh, really grateful for all her efforts. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. it was just, just, you know, you know, I met her for the, I guess I think it was, I met her for the first time at the calm dinner. Um, 
you know, it was, you know, mm-hmm. she did a phenomenal job getting all that together. And, you know, we were able to meet so many different people that I hadn't, you know, hadn't met before. That's how we met Dr. Knapp. And, you know, like, so, you know, we were able to be able to bring other people even on our podcast that we, that we had met from there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And looking forward to more events uh, that the alumni association puts together as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this has been really haven't, uh, discussed a whole lot but uh hot stove baseball really in full force and um that includes uh just what the, the the otani situation was nuts i mean we Bananas. thought that it was like taylor if taylor swift was a baseball star like that was <laughs> that was the coverage it was insane uh so seriously it, john paul morosi saying that uh otani got on a got on a private jet in in, at, in Santa Monica and flying <laughs> to Toronto. Turns out it wasn't, wasn't Otani nope. that got off the plane. Nope. Not exactly. It was John Hershefax from <laughs> such a great story. Like you're, you're expecting, you're not expecting someone from Shark Tank to come off the airplane. You're expecting a baseball player to come off the airplane. It's like, oops, right. sorry about that. And of course he had to walk it all back. Yeah. Poor guy. That was a rough one, yeah, but then it then and then what? Two days later, maybe turns out, uh, Otani signs the richest contract in sports history. Yeah, I don't even well. I mean, maybe not sports history. I don't know about soccer, but at least four uh, major sports in the U.S. I would say it is sports history. It was. I think, I think the, anyone that comes close would be Messi, and I don't think it comes close to seven hundred million. Okay, no, so I, ten years, seven hundred million dollars. And it turns out that he, it was his idea to defer six hundred and eighty million of that. He makes two million dollars a year for ten years for the first for the for the length of the contract, and then for the next nine years after that, he's getting paid six hundred eighty million dollars. Talk about setting yourself up for life, right? Yeah, <laughs> style, yeah, more money. He's blowing Bobby Bo out of the water. Oh my goodness! <laughs> now going to be can't wait now, for that anniversary. Until Dodger Day. <laughs> so the Dodgers will pay Otani probably more money to just be retired than probably half the payrolls in Major League Baseball. It's, His contract is already crazy. more than like some payrolls. Yeah, already yeah. like Arizona, the Arizona Coyotes aren't even worth as much as his of his contract. I don't think. Yeah, the whole <laughs> franchise is not worth that much money. That's. Is it worth it? You know, I, no, like that's the know. question. It's not, is it worth it? Here's the thing, right? He's 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 not pitching until 2025, so he's missing all of this year for pitching at least. He'll he'll be a DH. So now you're paying. So I mean, you're you're making technically it's a bargain. You're paying him two million dollars to to be a batter to be a, strictly a DH, right? And then he's gonna make two million dollars two million dollars a year to be a pitcher and a and a DH for the next you know, nine years after that. But hypothetically speaking, right, he blows his elbow out again or he just <laughs> decides, you know what, I don't want to pitch anymore or I don't want to hit anymore. I don't want to be a pitcher. So now you're paying this guy just to be one of those one of those positions. And it's kind of like, remember back in March when we spoke to Ray Martel, you know, yep. and he was talking about, I wouldn't, I don't want him like for that, for that somewhat of a reason, you know, yeah. And I don't think anybody thought the con- no one thought this contract was going to go that high. Like that, that's no. insane. I don't even think Steve Cohen yeah. was going to go that high. No, he definitely wasn't. There's no way. I, I mean, we're. Yeah. I mean, 
It was a Mets signing, like some freaking Noel. Is that his name? Well, now better get they better get Yamamoto. That's all I gotta say. Better get Yamamoto. <sighs> yeah. How, why? Like let. Yeah, so the Yankees pulled the, off the deal to trade for Juan Soto. The Dodgers have signed Otani. What's the impetus for Yamamoto to sign with the Mets, given all that's happened? I don't see any. Originally, the one thing I was going to say that he would sign, he had a good reason to sign with the Mets, which now goes to the Dodgers as well, is that he wanted <laughs> to play. He had said that he want, he would like to play with another Japanese player. Mm-hmm. So now, who do you play with? Otani, where you also have... Freeman and Mookie Betts on your team and yeah. and other phenomenal players or the mm-hmm. Mets and play with Senga. And then you have some good players. You have Alonzo, who, who knows if he's going to be around any much longer. You have it's, Lindor, yeah. you know, it's... but it's not even remotely the same. I mean, he I w- I'm hoping that Steve Cohen just blows him out of the water yeah. and he just tries to take the money because the Mets need him. The Mets need him more than any of those other teams do. Well, in my opinion, he, he's either going to go to a major league team in the Dodgers or he's going to go to a minor league team in the Mets. That's the way or I goes to, Or he goes to the Yankees. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe. There was also a rumor that that the Yankees, when they, they were supposed to meet him today in, in California, and they were supposedly bringing Tanaka and uh, Arabu, uh, not Arabu, um, Matsui with them. But but uh, I I heard that was actually not true. I read, I so I don't know. I don't. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe it did happen. But from what I read, it wasn't actually true that they weren't going. But who knows? Well, we don't know what's true anymore. We thought that he was on a plane. Exactly. I know. So All right. <laughs> you never know. Anything's possible. Who knows? What a mess. So yes, uh, uh, Jason mentioned Ray Martell. He's the executive director of Mets Baseball on WCBS. He was on our podcast in the very early stages, I believe. I. Uh, I can't, I, I don't know what the episode number was, but please check out our website, throwingbagels.com. It is, it is on there in case you're new to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for being with us. Uh, we got a whole, almost a year guys. We got almost a year's worth of um, podcasts to look back on. And uh, it's been a great ride. Uh, 2023 is, has been uh, you're really one for the books. I would say is Howie Rose would say, <laughs> put that in the books. Episode 11. Episode 11. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate yeah, research that. Research staff got on that. Yes. Really right. Crack research right there, baby. Good job, Jason. You get a raise. Yes. <laughs> what's, what's a raise from zero? Uh, uh, 12. Zero. Point one. zero. That's right. Yes. Zero times uh, 5% is still zero. So Yes. <laughs> I'm on fire. All right. Well, I think that'll do it uh, for this edition of the Throwing Bagels podcast uh our next blog i think i'm on deck for that that's coming out this following monday so stay tuned for that and if you catch us on spotify uh leave a comment let us know what you thought of of this episode and and any of our other episodes in the past you can check that out on again uh through spotify uh and you can really get us wherever you get your podcasts including amper wave right from odyssey so we are listed on there as well if you do get your podcast from amper wave so please dig in you can find us online at throwingbagels.com you can email us throwingbagelspodcast at gmail.com and we will see you again in a couple of weeks uh after yeah we will hit the airwaves after christmas day so 
Uh, Merry Christmas to you that celebrate. Happy Hanukkah to those who celebrate and uh, happy uh, Kwanzaa as well to those who celebrate that. And we will see you after Christmas for the and final happy Festivus. Happy Festivus for the rest of us. And we'll see you again on the last week of 2023. If you can believe that. It's crazy. See ya. So long.